Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the World Football Summit podcast. I'm your host, Jaime, CMO at World Football Summit. This week, Drew Taffetz, founder at Love Football, spelled F-U-T-B-O-L. If you speak Spanish, you know exactly how to spell football. You can check them out at lovefootball.org. As you know, we are big believers in the power of sports to change the world. And Drew is a living example of someone leading a project doing just that. Love Football has a very simple mission. Create safe places for kids around the world to play their favorite sport. And when they say around the world, they mean it. They have 55 communities in 15 countries. They also work with some of the biggest names around. Citigroup, ESPN, Coca-Cola, Unilever. And these are just to name a few. In the episode, we cover the why behind Love Football, what he has learned from working with those brands, and what it takes to be a changemaker. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Remember, World Football Summit is just days away. If you haven't done so already, head over to our website and buy a ticket. On September 28th and 29th, the football industry will meet in Sevilla. Nothing else from my side. Hope you have a great rest of your day. And now, let's welcome Drew Chaffetz. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome back to uh, uh, another uh, edition of WFS Digest. Uh, today, uh, we have the pleasure to have Drew Chaffetz from Love Football uh, joining us. I did want to, you know, give the you know give you a chance to share with our audience um, what is Love Football very briefly, um, and then why um, why is it why the world needs it, and why now is the right moment to to have this this organization. Perfect, Jamie. Hi, May. Excuse me. Uh, no worries. No worries. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I lived in the U.S. when I was a kid, so and I got called Jamie. Yeah, Jamie whatever. Yeah, so I'm also I'm through, used to that. Uh, you know, when in certain environments. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Uh, well, uh, hi, May. Really, it's a it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me uh, uh, and, and for this opportunity. Um, uh, yeah, no, I'd love to talk about Love Football. Uh, we are a nonprofit organization and social enterprise uh, co-founded in 2006. I'm, I'm one of the co-founders and, and the CEO. Uh, and we pride ourselves on having a simple mission, uh, which is to ensure kids have a safe place to play. Uh, and and uh, as the name might suggest, uh, you know, sport and most specifically global football is uh at the heart of, you know, what we stand for and believe in, uh, you know, being that's the global game. So, um, you know, our, our why is ensuring kids have that, that opportunity to have passion in their lives, to play, to gain all the positive benefits that children inherently do uh, through sport. Um, uh, what's important to really share is, is also our how, which is, that we specialize in engaging communities around sports-based projects um, so that they have ownership over the project process and then the end asset that they create, uh, this, you know, this place to play. But because of our methodology, it's, it's something more than that. Uh, it's, it's something that the community has uh, deep pride in. It, it, it can be a center of community in a variety of ways. It can be a social enterprise that is able to self-sustain um, and represent the, the best ideals uh, uh, and, and powers that sport have. So um, uh, that's a, just a quick summary on, on who we are. Um, in terms of why does the world need us today, 
know, I think it's important to look at that from both uh, an opportunity standpoint and a challenges standpoint. Um, you know, from an opportunity standpoint, you know, global football and sport has such an immense power uh, in on on a global scale. Um, you know, we're, we are connected through the great power of these games, uh, you know, the amount of resources that go into the sport on a professional level and from a business perspective is, you know, incredible and, and always, you know, growing. Um, the connectivity that we have is more tangible than it's ever been. Uh, you know, our ability to, to you know, reach common goals uh, together is never been uh, more facilitated through technology and, and uh, you know, in, the influencers that have this global reach. Um, but at the same time, uh, on the challenges side, you know, there's really, uh, you know, growing pressure on children and communities uh, to, you uh, to actually access the game in the first place and to have the game in, in a healthy way in their lives. Um, and there's a lot of different factors that, that go into that, um, you know, from, uh, you know, general poverty in, in low income parts of the world, uh, you know, mass urbanization uh, to, um, you know, the digital world playing a greater role in, in the lives of children families and kids feeling less connected to the public sphere, they're not being safe, environments that the community feels connected to is a, is a major problem. Privatization of public spaces, um, you know, around the world and in, even in places like favelas and slums uh, where, you know, sports spaces are locked up if, if, you, if you don't pay to play. Um, you know, these are all contributing to uh, ultimately the grassroots ability to play. And, you know, we exist as an effort to, to try and move that in the opposite direction. You know, it's funny, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation with uh, Professor Mohammed Yunus, uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner. Um, and he was speaking just about that, how sport really, I mean, because we were talking about how, yeah, you have your big industry and you have your professionals and all of that. But at the end of the day, the the power of sport to be more than just a business, it's just amazing. So I think it's kind of like the, the mission that you guys are, are pursuing, no? And well, at least personally, I want to congratulate you on that because, you know, you have to be brave and we'll touch upon that a little bit later. But I did want to know um, what change what happened in your world to say hey i have to i have to go after this um i uh you know i i grew up uh fortunately in a household that really prioritized um i would say curiosity of our world uh, my parents loved to travel uh by the time i was 12 years old i had been six continents um and you know, this, the other factor that was critical is that I loved soccer. You know, and, and that was my game growing up. And I gravitated to the ball without ever needing to be asked. And so when I was in places like Tibet or Brazil or Kenya, and I saw kids playing on the streets, um, you know, that was my game too. And I joined them and, and I had the opportunity to connect deeply in, in, a, in a simple way, uh, through a game, uh, with kids ha had such a different experience than I had in life. Um, but yet at the same time, 
fundamentally we shared, you know, a passion uh, and, uh, you know, could see that we were actually much more of the same than different. And that idea is deep yeah. in the ethos and even brand of love football, love dot football. You know, it's, it's in our name. You know, we're connected globally through our passions um, and, and football being probably the best possible example. And um, so that that's kind of part one of the story. Uh, part two is that I uh, was growing, I was uh, studying abroad in Barcelona, obviously one of the great football cities of the world. And um, I had the chance to travel down into Morocco for about 10 days. Uh, I was on my own playing football in the nice. streets with kids and, and adults, uh, you know, for almost every day as I, as I wandered. And, um, I came across this community, uh, by total accident. Uh, and, um, there are these maze like streets in Morocco and, uh, this is South in the country. And, uh, um, there were these kids playing a pickup game, you know, maybe eight, kids in total all under the age of 10 and uh it was in this back alleyway and there's just a bit of space but you know kids were playing you know they, they're creative and they will play you know they're, they're determined to play soccer the simple beautiful game that you know kids create out of nothing all across the planet and um and you know i saw these kids and there was a now like about a foot across and the deep, you know, water canal that they were jumping back and forth over, run, running straight through the middle of their pitch lengthwise. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a, you know, crazy uh, experience, but at the same time, it did cross a line in my mind uh, where you appreciate kind of that beautiful imperfection of the grassroots game to actually these kids maybe not having a, a decent place just to play the world's most simple and beloved game is it was actually a little bit dangerous I was 23 at the time and I was like it just planted that question in my head do kids face challenges to playing football and uh, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. um, had never actually thought of that question before and that really is what kicked off the 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 beginning of the story of love football I personally love those stories. Um, I mean, I've always considered football is like a common language for everybody. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what language you speak in terms of speaking, but you can always, you know, play with whoever you want uh, as long as there's a football around. You no, know? so for me that was kind of so powerful and one of the main reasons I, I wanted to pursue a career in sports as well. So, I mean, fully aligned with that. And. I guess, uh, you know, you guys have projects all over the world, no? So you have Brazil, uh, you have uh, 17, I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, then you have, but you also have in India, United States. How do you choose where, where to set up a new project or where to pursue a new opportunity? And are there any common challenges that you find when you go to these different places? Absolutely. Um, actually, we've done projects in, I think, about 23 communities across Brazil now and uh, have some new models that uh, have actually helped us reach over 70 uh, municipalities across the country. Um, and Brazil is certainly one of our uh, core uh, countries of strength. We've got most of our team is actually based out of Brazil. Um, but, you know, yes, you know, today we've done projects on five different continents and in completely diverse environments. And, um, 
you know, what do we look for? Um, there's really a, a few main criteria thematically that uh, help us select locations. And of course, um, you know, most of our projects are funded by, uh, you know, funded, funding partners, most commonly corporate sector partners. Um, but, you know, they often have interests as well that we um, work to align with. Um, but the criteria um, is really number one and, and foremost uh, around our mission is the level of need, um, you know, which very much factors in, uh, you know, what are the existing uh, availability of places to play? What are the conditions of those spaces? Um, you know, how how do kids access them? Um, and and then and then other factors such as you know the social reality. Um, you know, we we do target low low income communities, um, you know, what are the, the local demographics um, and, uh, you know, poverty levels and, and other types of challenges, uh, you know, where, you know, access to play, you know, in environments that can be challenging can make such a big difference, um, you know, where, mm-hmm. where kids don't have other opportunities like to play football, you know, right, which is one of the most simple, yeah. important opportunities globally. Um, so, uh, that's the first. Uh, second, is, and this is really important, is community partnership potential, um, uh, both with regard to executing a project and then also sustaining that project. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we really focus on uh, engaging communities and mobilizing them around these projects to be to actually lead the projects themselves. So, you know, we we assess things like local community s- strengths and skills and resources. You know, through in asset mapping exercise. Um, we, you know, understand the local culture and history, you know, what are the individual and collective leadership potential, both from formal and informal perspectives? Um, what type of experience do they have collaborating around community projects? Um, and, you know, ultimately, and this is part of our process is, you know, designing a product with the community um, that is tailored to their local reality, um, you know, both in the immediate term, but with a long-term vision in mind. So um, that's the second major cr- criteria. Third, uh, you know, construction complexity, you know, making sure that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, logistically and from a budget perspective and permitting and bureaucracy, uh, you know, that we're, um, you know, uh, selecting a location that will be legally sound for a long period of time. Um, we generally don't purchase sports, you know, own. That's not, not, not our model. It's more oriented towards, um, you know, helping create or reclaim and, and improve upon existing spaces um, or, or creating new ones. Um, but, you know, helping improved, improve these spaces um, that are, that are already owned usually by, public uh, groups, but sometimes by private as well. So th- those are the main criteria. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, as you can imagine, that's, that's a lot of factors. And, and, you know, when you're in, I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, cause I was, you were running through this. I was like, wow, this is like a yeah. business. I mean, you guys obviously are an NGO, but at the end of the day, it's not just um, ident- picking a spot out of the blue. 
right? So you really have a, a, and I think it's important for the audience to understand, there's a true methodology and a process here behind choosing uh, all of these, uh, you know, projects. And, and also not only a matter of, of, of short-term potential, but also long-term potential. How can you make this even better for the entire community, no? And, and it's not a... Because you have some emotional ties to it, it, there's also some, let's say, call it rationale behind it. So, so that's very interesting. Thank awesome. you for that. Um, now, I one of the things that that you mentioned in, in the first criteria is that you work with, you know, with with big brands and with sponsors and with corporate um, companies, which I believe is, you know, it, it, it's important. Uh, at the end of the day, that's something that we cannot deny that you know they 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 have resources, they have networks, they they help amplify the 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 impact that that projects like love football have no in the world so um i don't know if you want to mention them or not i mean uh, totally up to you i don't know if there's but i did want to know what have you learned um from working with them from, with, with these brands because in many cases they're multinationals so we're not talking about you know i mean uh, they're huge corporations so i don't know if there's any lesson that you have learned yeah from abs no absolutely i mean uh these brands have, have played a monumental role in our story and helping us not just reach, you know, the next community, but grow and mature as an organization. Um, and, uh, you know, some examples, Coca-Cola, we've done, you know, a lot of projects in Brazil, but then around the world in Egypt, um, ESPN, we've done projects in about 10 different countries, Unilever, um, you know, a handful, Manchester City, uh, uh, mm -hmm. Amazon, we now have a, a new initiative with, uh, Disney and a bunch of, a bunch of other, you know, both international, but also domestic companies and, you know, throughout the world, uh, in, in our core areas of focus, which are mainly the U S uh, Mexico and Brazil. Um, but you know, what have, what have we learned? I think, you know, the most important thing, and as I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, La football is not just a nonprofit where we have a men mentality of a social enterprise. And so, you know, what that means is how do you think about not just the social impact, which is the reason that we exist and our mi social mission, um, but how can those uh, benefits that we create from a social perspective be aligned with those uh, commercial benefits that funding partners might have and, you know, in other types of benefits that, you know, from marketing, you know, uh, PR perspective and, and, and otherwise that, you know, strategically can create value for these partners. And so I think along our journey, um, you know, finding the balance, um, you know, sometimes, you know, those are kind of, you can envision a Venn diagram between the social impact and the, you know, the commercial, but, um, you know, we found that there really is, especially with, you know, some of our longer standing partners, a, a way to look at their, um, their goals and align them with those of uh, ours. And, and so, um, that's where we've had, you know, some real success, you know, and, and I think, uh, what help our partners can continue to come back is, you know, when they see return on investment for them beyond the social impact, you know, with, you know, building relationships with, you know, communities and key stakeholders that, um, they care about, uh, you know, employee volunteerism, uh, you know, we've done with ESPN offices in close to 10 countries, mm -hmm. um, you know, localizing the brand in a really tangible way um, and building goodwill in, in new markets and with new partners that they care about. 
um, and you know, generally leaving a social legacy, uh, you know, to uh, other things they do with with Coca Cola. We did, uh, you know, Copa Coca Cola uh, was their marketing initiative where they would have a big, you know, football tournament, and they wanted to leave something tangible behind. You know, the, an event is kind of a one time thing. How do how do you leave something that lasts? And so we worked with them around those objectives. So that's where we really see an opportunity is not just thinking about our, our, these collaborations as doing social good, which is again, our core purpose, but um, how to do so in a, in a way that's aligned with business objectives. Nice. Well, well, I mean, you, Coca-Cola, Amazon, ESPN, Manchester city. I mean, congratulations because you guys work with, Top tier brands, not only in sport but but in the world, no. So so congratulations for that. And from from my understanding, you you also uh, collaborate with uh, Qatar's Generation Amazing. Um, I don't know if there's any uh, anecdotes, stories that you you can share from that experience. Yeah, um, you know, basically with uh, with Generation Amazing, um, they had made investments in what they call uh, the Generation Generation Amazing Community Club model, um, where they would invest in kind of community sports infrastructure, you know, spaces to play across Asia and the Middle East. Um, And, uh, you know, they really were focused from a value standpoint on ensuring kids had that type of safe space to play, access to not just um, healthy play and lifestyle in their life, but you know, educational opportunities that, you know, sport can be leveraged to create. Um, and, and sport is one of the great hooks uh, to engage youth in a wide variety of sport uh, for social development, educational uh, uh, ends and goals. Um, and and that, that there's a whole sector based off of that idea, uh, sport for social development. Um, and so, uh, they had made these considerable investments uh, and they really wanted to harness uh, the communities around, um, you know, these these assets that they had created uh, in in a way that would in, enhance the social impact potential, enhance the social, the, the sustainability potential of these spaces. And so we worked with them to uh, do some of the things I mentioned, you know, perform a, you know, a deeper analysis of the local reality uh you know, do an asset mapping exercise, make recommendations around um, how these local communities could um, find a self-sustaining uh, approach to these these community assets that were going to really be you know harnessed in a, in a, the, the, the strongest way possible by the local community. So, um, for us, this was a little bit. Uh, this was actually. Uh, our second work with them, we had, we had uh, helped them design a uh, sustainability manual uh, around sports spaces mm-hmm. uh, prior. And this was taking a next step um, in, in a community in the Philippines and, and in India to, uh, you know, actually um, put that into practice and, um, you know, uh, guide these communities to make the most of these sports spaces. So, um, it was, uh, it was a, it was a consulting, uh, advisory engagement. Uh, so we weren't direct on the ground, uh, in, in these instances, but, um, it was, uh, a really, uh, excellent project. And, and we were of course honored to be, you know, a part of the 2022 social legacy. 
Nice. Um, well, that's that's actually very nice. Um, and I'm also thinking because you guys, I mean, looking at it from from let's say a wider view, you know, you have you have your partners, you have obviously your mission. You have a powerful network. Such programs like this, they open up your network. But one of the things that also stood out when when I was looking into into love football was uh, you also have an amazing board of directors um, and um, and people that are really important in the industry supporting your initiative. No, so um, I guess I wanted to understand what was it difficult to convince them, or was there any like what were the reasons uh, that made them believe in the project? Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the love football resonates with people in different ways. Um, you know, I think some people are really attracted to the simplicity of our mission, ensuring kids have a safe place to play. You know, um, ultimately, uh, you know, the business of football, I think, is a part of this grand social phenomenon of global global football. Right. You know, kids are playing in, in the millions across Africa as our adults, you know, with, without any, you know, some, of course, you know, aspiring to be a professional footballer, but, um, you know, many know that maybe that, that, uh, that boat has sailed. Um, but, you know, so there's just this incredible social, uh, power of the game globally. Um, however, uh, you know, business is a part of that. And I, and I think that um, ultimately ensuring kids have a safe place to play is a simple goal. And I think that resonates with some. Um, with others, uh, it's more about the methodology of, of engaging communities to be uh, agents of their own social change and seeing how we're creating more than a place to play, I think, as it really resonates with a lot of people. And that, that's really what distinguishes our work most is our approach to sports, uh, youth sports spaces and, and you know, s- sustainable solutions and communities. Um, but, you know, I think for a lot of board members, you know, especially ones that have found themselves in, in the football industry, you know, being a part of a social cause is an opportunity to use your, you know, professional experience, strengths and network to, uh, you know, do something positive uh, in the world. And, and um, you know, that kind of comes back to that social enterprise theme, right, is that, um, you know, in the sports mm-hmm. space, uh, sector, um, you know, there's this ecosystem of business, sport and society. And so, you know, once you know the business world of sport, you know, how can you leverage that to actually create social impact from the sport and society side? And um, I think that's what really excites a lot of our board members. The the way I see it is, well, you're, you're essentially a game changer. Uh, and an outlier in the sense that there's a lot of people that I think believe, as you were saying, resonate with the power of sport or having the idea that sport can change the world. No, but when you think about it, very few actually go out and do it. So I guess I want to understand with you, what does it take to be a game changer? Um, and especially, and I'm asking because I'm of the belief that a lot of people actually have it in them, but for some reason, they just don't, they don't go out and and execute. You can think uh, all day long about this. You can daydream about this, but at the end of the day, you need to go out and do it. No, so yeah, I guess I want to understand what does it take and what advice would you give to that person that's actually, you know, hey, I, I should do something about this. Yeah, that, that's a great question, Jaime. And and I think what you what you said in terms of that belief that the change maker is within all of us is really at the core of the football's 
thinking and approach to communities. You know, uh, we go to really challenging environments. I mean, from the biggest slum in Asia and, you know, floating slum in Lagos to, uh, you know, the favelas of, of Rio and Sao Paulo. And, um, you know, what you find in common is despite great differences, you know, if you speak to people in a respectful way and give them the opportunity and the space to, to step up, um, you know, people will, you will find those people that have it in their heart in every community across the world to, you know, help make this a, a stronger, healthier, thriving environment for themselves and their kids. And we tap into that energy. You know, that's what we're, we're best at. Um, so I absolutely believe that, you know, a change maker is within all of us. Um, you know, unfortunately there are certain environments that, you know, because of the local reality that can be harder than in others. Um, you know, I, I for me personally, I, I you know, I, I definitely came from a more privileged background, which allowed me, you know, opportunities that a lot of people don't have to, you know, explore and build, you know, this type of concept for, you know, a period of time. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that, you know, people from every background and every economic uh, status have accomplished the types of things that we have and more. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you, we have to model these things, you know, we have to show people that it's possible in these types of environments. And I think that a local pool project is a great opportunity to do that for, you know, from all kind of realms, horizontal and vertical of a community to, to look at people with potential and, um, and believe that they can make a difference. And uh, that's absolutely what we see with our projects every day. Actually, that ties very well with my next question, because you were talking about leading through example on one hand, I guess, and also also believing on the potential that anybody can have. No? So I just wanted to understand, are there any other business or any skills that business leaders need today? Yeah, um, of course, uh, you know, I, I think resilience has to be on the list. Uh, it's not easy, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things that I think I did uniquely offer is just a deep, deep tie to this mission. And, and you know, I felt like my whole life had led to this and, um, you know, was really determined, uh, you know, may not have offered all the skills or experience, certainly not, uh, you know, to, to take this on when I co-founded this at, at the age of 23. Um, but, uh, you know, was able to get past challenges and, uh, over time. And, and I, so I think, you know, resilience and the ability to, you know, view challenges as opportunities, um, uh, is, is critical. Um, you know, second, I think I, I have to say, and this is something, of course, I'm, I'm working on improving every day, but uh, empathy is, is a really powerful, uh, skill, uh, and orientation, um, you know, to be able to look at people's circumstances and, uh, you know, maybe they're not being, you know, as, easygoing or polite or, or something on an email chain or something like that. But, you know, taking a step back and being able to, 
you know, say, hey, like, let, let's let's keep our eye on the North Star and, and staying objective. Um, you know, if, if you're able to do that in a strong way over time, you, you just create so much more out of uh, what, you know, what opportunities come your way. And so I think that's a really cr- uh, key one. Um, and yeah, that that's actually kind of secondary is like, um, along that line is, is the idea of making the most of what you have. Uh, and, um, I remember, uh, my kind of number one teammate in this effort over the last, uh, 15 years, Mano Silva is our COO, uh, is a great footballer. And, uh, we were playing one time on a, on a smaller grass field and I passed him a really terrible ball. And uh, we were playing this just like control trap and shoot game. And, and I gave him a terrible setup and he just ran down the ball right along the, the, the uh, uh, goal line on the, on the side, stopped the ball with one mm-hmm. quick touch on to the end. And then with his left foot, solid shot right into the goal from an incredibly tough angle. And so he just made the most of, uh, you know, a, a tough circumstance. And I think, you know, when you can do stuff <laughs> like that, um, you know, you're going to give yourself a shot at success. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of the story with the Maradona's famous goal against yeah. England. No? Uh, apparently the, the midfielder, after the after he scored the goal, he told them, you know, he was like a short pass in the middle of a field, and he told them, well, I mean, with that pass, how could you not <laughs> score that goal? No. So, <laughs> so anyway, you were talking about resilience and and about empathy, and I think the world needs a lot of that actually today, not only in sports but but in, in the world in general. So, I guess I want to tie that with the next question, which is, um, and I guess you do, but why why should people believe that football has a, that power to change the world? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as I as I said earlier a bit, you know, there football inherently has that power every single day uh, and every single moment. And I think for a lot of people who who played the game, they they feel that inherently. You know, whether it means you're playing and creating, um, you know, that you're you're healthier, you feel better, you're connecting with your teammates, you're learning things just by playing. Like I, I've learned so many lessons. And, um, and so I think that, you know, on an individual level, on a community level and on a global level, and you're, you're talking about the ability, you know, traveling around the world and connecting with people through this medium, this game, um, you know, we kind of inherently know it has that unique power that to tie humanity and improve our lives. So, I think for me that that's the base to football and the sport is, is that power, but, you know, more, more tangibly, um, you know, we've seen the power of sport to, to change the world over time. And, you know, actually just, uh, last month we inaugurated a project in Chicago, Illinois with, uh, ESPN and it was commemorating 50 years since the Title IX legislation in the U.S., um, you know, equating uh, men's and women's um, sponsorship dollars toward uh, college sports. And, you know, that was a huge milestone in uh, not just equality between men and women uh, in our society, but 
um, or sorry, from a sports perspective, but more broadly, you know, in, in, you know, for, for men and women, it's a stepping stone and, you know, to be 50 years into that, uh, and to get to commemorate that with a partner like ESPN was a really special thing. Um, but you know, you can look, you can find examples of that all over the world. I mean, there's, um, you know, women's equal pay in, in, uh, the U S with, with the U S soccer federation, um, and, um, you know, the stories of, you know, Drogba ending, you know, wars, uh, you know, temporarily in his home. And so there, there, there are these, um, these incredible examples. And as I said earlier, um, you know, if we start thinking about the power that business society has together as an ecosystem, especially in the context of, you know, the, the new world that we're in today, um, you know, we can accomplish things that we've never accomplished before. And, and that's, what's really exciting. Yeah. And yeah, I'm thinking, well, we're in a year of world cup. Then after that, 2026, the world cup will go to North America, um, again. So, so that's nice to see. Um, but I was curious cause they have a big focus on sustainability, you know, at the end of the day. So what is the biggest impact in terms of, sus- of sustainability for for organizations like yours? Yeah, no, th- I mean, that's a, a great question. And, and, you know, sustainability is, um, you know, uh, it's such a huge term and, and it means so many different things. Um, uh, and so there's, there's a lot of different ways to cut that. Um, I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep mentioning, this idea of the, the social enterprise thinking. Um, and, and if you, you know, uh, maybe you're familiar with Michael Porter, who is one of the top, you know, yep. strategists and, and uh, com- on, you know, business competition out of Harvard Business School. Uh, you know, he think he's, he, you know, is passionate about this term called shared value, right? And that's the same idea that I'm talking about, this alignment between, social good and uh, commercial value. And, and, I, and I think that as we've seen with, you know, uh, as I mentioned about Title IX and, you know, Jackie Robinson baseball, you know, helping break down the barrier between, uh, you know, people of color in, in sport in the United States, you know, sport keeps breaking these barriers. And I, and I think that um, sport has this unique opportunity to demonstrate the ideals of shared value, right? We've got hundreds of billions of dollars in industry. We've got, you know, Ronaldo and, and these guys who have got, you know, 50, hundred million followers and, and just immense influence in, in ways that have never existed before. Um, there's such an opportunity to um, leverage events like this to, uh, you know, whether it's leave a social legacy, of course, like, and, and that's happened for a long period of time, you know, and in, in the 1994 World Cup uh, in the U.S., I was 12 years old, I, you know, I, uh, there was a, you know, social legacy left $50 million to the U.S. Soccer Foundation. They've, they've got a goal to build a thousand mm-hmm. mini pitches across the United States. Like, that's obviously a tangible example of what these events can, can do. Um, but, uh, you know, how can we take that to the next level? And, and, and I, and I mean that from the social impact side, but also like, you know, we, a thousand mini pitches, uh, across the U S and, and this is a whole nother conversation is, 
is so crucial uh, to growing the game, you know, in, in a country where soccer is not a matured sport um, fully. And, and uh, uh, you know, so that's why, you know, it can be of value from a business perspective to grow the game and build, you know, even brand equity for the brands that are behind this uh, to tangibly help kids play. Uh, and, and so for us at the football, you know, we've got our eyes on 26 in a, in a huge way and, and are excited to try and make the most of it. Actually that, and sorry for keep, for keep going back to professor Yunus, but I mean, some of his messages were fully aligned to what you were saying, no. And when we were speaking with him, he was telling us how, yeah, he recognizes that players like Messi, like Ronaldo, like, you know, superstar players, they have big power, um, it's really up to them to decide how to use that power, uh, how to, I mean, you can use the power to sell more glasses or sell more watches, or you can try to use that power to change the world. No, it's really up to you and, and how you want to use your platform. No. Um, so yeah, I guess I, I couldn't agree more with, with that statement. No. So, so yeah, thank you for that. And, um, you were also mentioning the 2026 world cup and I guess, and this is just my, my last question. What's next for you guys? What's what's next for Love Football? Where where are you going? Well, um, you know, I I am an American guy. Uh, you know, born and raised in this country, and uh, we're we're really excited to hear at Love Football right now to be. Uh, we have seven projects committed across the United States. Uh, you know, in Miami, D.C. Uh, I mentioned Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia. Um, so you know. That's the, the the big thing this year and next year is is you know taking this this big step toward uh, kind of demonstrating how we approach community sports spaces in an innovative way. Uh, you know, not simply creating these spaces, but doing it in a way that um, are really setting up communities to 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 be um, not dependent on outside groups in order to continue to sustain and, and help these spaces thrive. Um, and that's a critical issue, uh, especially two years after COVID. Um, you know, a lot of the, the public landowners out there have struggled historically to reach communities uh, that are lower income and communities of color, which every one of these seven projects are, are focused on uh, with ESPN and another partner, the Pincus Family Foundation. Um, so we're, you know, again, we're really excited to you know, take these lessons that we've learned across the world, um, apply them to you, the unique U.S. context and help these communities take ownership of these places to play um, in the U.S. And, and figure out how the football can best offer its value proposition um, in this this unique environment. Um, and that, of course, has to do with, you know, 2026 ahead, um, which, as I mentioned, is just a, a special, massive opportunity, you know, across these three nations, um, you know, Mexico was, is one of the countries we've done most projects uh, as well. You know, a lot of projects in, in Mexico City, for example. Um, and so that that's one of the biggest the biggest things on our horizon. Um, you know, we've also uh, built a, a major donor program uh, called Starting Squad. It's led by uh, Hernanes, a uh, former Brazilian national player, yeah. uh, you know, Lazio yeah. events. Um, nice. he's, he's a really passionate uh, pasero of ours, you know, brother. He, he's yeah. all in with us, and it's been an amazing journey to, to work with a guy of that, that quality and, and passion. 
Um, he was very good. He was yeah, very good. Yeah, no, he's a special player. Uh, some some fun stories I've learned about how he how focused he was. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we're building this program, and it's really about investing in this next era of love football. Uh, you know, thinking about uh, investing in things like technology and innovation um, in our brand and marketing, um, and of course, you know, more than anything, in our team. Uh, you know, bringing on the best people we possibly can to uh, take. You know the you know. 70,000 kids that we've reached over the last 15 years and, and triple that by uh, 2026, which is our, our goal, um, you know, really begin to scale this on another level. And, and on that note, one of the big pieces of that, and it relates to everything I've said, is engaging a broader global soccer audience around our mission. Um, you know, we have, mm-hmm. uh, since our beginning, uh, had crowdfunded projects through peer-to-peer fundraising where, you know, soccer teams and, you know, groups of a variety of kind, individuals, um, you know, raise money across their personal networks to fund a project abroad. Um, we've had some really cool successes. We really want to scale that idea, um, you know, scale Love Football's mission beyond ourselves. Um, you know, it's never been about just being this nonprofit that has taken on projects around the world. It's about engaging a global soccer passion, sports passionate community to take, uh, you know, this effort into their, their own hands and sure, sure the game for all. Um, so that's what we're all about and uh, what we will be focusing really hard on in the, in the years to come. Well, so you sounds like you guys have uh, exciting times ahead. No, so we will be happy to follow along. Hopefully, see you reach all of your all of your goals. Um, personally, I mean, I, I love these initiatives, and I want to congratulate you again uh, on on the on the project. Um, hopefully, yeah, you reach all of the goals. And uh, before we leave, I mean, I, I want to ask if you have any parting thoughts that you want to share with the audience, and also if you wanna, where can they find more about you guys? Uh, where can they check you out? Uh, yeah, well, Jaime, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's really an honor to be, uh, you know, associated with World. Uh, football summit and uh, to be, um, you know, have the opportunity to be on this platform. Um, You know, I I think, you know, obviously a lot of your um, stakeholders and your communities in the the business and sports space. And, um, you know, I I, uh, encourage them to learn more about sport for social development uh, and, uh, you know, take some of Michael Porter's words uh, to heart and think about, you know, how can um, social impact and social good actually be put a little bit closer toward the center of business strategy? And, and how can that um, create mutual benefit and uh, a strong, uh, you know, ecosystem of business, sport and society? So, um, you know, I uh, look forward to the opportunity to, you know, explore that idea with with your community and uh, and for them to reach out to us. Um, you know, uh, we've, we're pretty active on social media, um, on Instagram, uh, you know, at love, mm-hmm. L-O-V-E dot F-U-T-B-O-L. Um, that is our, uh, you know, the, the Spanish spelling football. Um, and then at love football without the dot, uh, for both Facebook and Twitter and lovefootball.org is our website. So those are some great ways to learn more about what we do and, and the projects we're involved in right now. And, uh, welcome them to reach out to me as well, uh, drew at lovefootball.org. 
Yeah, and we'll include all of those in in the notes of the of this conversation. So, so anyway, Drew, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, uh, again, I think our community really likes to learn about these these type of initiatives, and I'm sure they're going to enjoy uh, knowing more about love football. And hopefully, we'll have you back again soon. Uh, you know, telling us all about your all of your developments. So, yeah, thank we'll you. Love that, Jaime. Thank you so much. I, we really appreciate it. And there you have him, Drew Taffets from Love Football. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and got some value out of it. If that's the case, feel free to reach out on social media and share your feedback. You know where to do so. LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And by the way, remember we are just days away from World Football Summit Europe. If you want to join us for the event that will shape the future of the football industry, make sure you head over to our website and buy your ticket. We hope to see you in Sevilla on September 28th and 29th. And of course, on the next episode of the World Football Summit podcast. Have a great rest of your day.